Hey guys, in this episode, uh, we chat to Jesse Lezak. Um, I've been following Jesse for quite a while and I'm really looking forward to jumping on our podcast, uh, Whiskey Wednesday. Um, looks super fun. Uh, it'll be really, really good. Um, Jesse talks about all her experience, um, extensive experience um, being in the marketing game. Um, so recently, she's the CMO at, at BDEX um, and she's also the founder and host of Reveting and the Whiskey Wednesday podcast. And it was a really, really great conversation. I love speaking with other marketing people or marketing people who kind of really know their stuff. And we really get into the nitty gritty of the AI and how to really how to leverage it and leverage data. Thanks so much, Jesse, um, for coming on the AI Sales Revolution podcast. Uh, super psyched to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, no problem. Um, uh, yeah, look, I think we're, I'm, I'm looking forward to especially jumping on Whiskey Wednesday. I think it's in a couple of weeks. That'll be super fun as well. I've been looking at the format, how you guys run that. It's like super unique as well and how you live stream it. It looks super fun. Thanks. Looking yeah, forward cool. to having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just yeah. First off, to start off, just for anyone out there, do you mind giving a like just a brief rundown, I guess, of, of yourself and kind of your experiences in sales and marketing, obviously at BDX, and then before that, how you were working at the previous company, how you rose all the way up the ranks as well, um, and just kind of your you know where you're at right now in the sales and marketing space, and also the new venture that you're going into right now as well. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you again for having <laughs> me here. Glad to be here. Um, so my experience in B2B has been, um, I, wish I, I should say my experience in sales and marketing has been B2B, uh, SaaS and tech. Um, and so I've worked in digital signage and um, SMS and most recently with BDEX where I started there as head of marketing, became chief marketing officer and um, our co-founder and CEO, David Finkelstein. He just has a really great entrepreneurial spirit and has supported me in transitioning to chief fractional chief marketing officer. So my new venture has been as founder and CEO of Reveting and host of Whiskey mm -hmm. Wednesday. Again, excited to have you come on <laughs> Whiskey Wednesday. We talk about sales and marketing alignment there. Um, but I would describe myself primarily as a marketer. Anytime I was in sales, I was only successful because I was selling to marketers. It's um, not a bad thing. <laughs> what was that? That's not a bad thing. <laughs> exactly. In a good position. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my experience, you know, really starts with like email marketing, social media marketing, coming out of politics. Um, I was selling a person, not a product, and so that sort of mm. personal branding has led me to, you know, LinkedIn and helping people build personal brands on LinkedIn and other social platforms. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for the recap as well. Um, if we'll, we'll dive straight into it uh, with the AI stuff as well. You mentioned just before when we were chatting around how primarily you've been using AI a lot around that content creation piece. Obviously, you've had extensive experience as a marketer, and I, I always love listening to good marketers speak because that's not my forte. <laughs> Sales is more my forte and outbound. But um, if you could run through maybe a couple of things, how you've been leveraging AI right now, um, you know, in the content space of things or kind of how you started delving into it and what you're doing now. Oh, well, thank you. And I feel the same way. I think it's always great to talk to a really awesome salesperson, especially one who um, favors and utilizes tools such as AI. Um, and so, yeah, I would like we, I was mentioning, I use AI. I'm a big fan of using all sorts of tools. Um, I mean, as humans, we've used tools mm -hmm. since the beginning of time. And that's mm -hmm. how I see AI is simply as a tool. And I use it to help me with my content creation. So, um, you know, I think ChatGPT is great because most people have now had access to understand what it is, what AI is. 
Um, and that's only one application of it. Of course, AI can do lots of different things across many different industries. Mm. But the way I use it is for, um, like, for example, with creating an event for Whiskey Wednesday, to get really specific mm. about it, I will collect from the guests on an intake form as you went through my intake process. Yes. And I'll ask what topics you want to cover, yep. how you want to be introduced, if there are any prizes you want to give away. And I'll just copy and paste out of my calendar app all of these details for both guests. Mm -hmm. And then I have a um, something I'll write into um, ChatGPT, which I have the premium account I've upgraded on there. Um, and so I'll say, you know, write a LinkedIn event invitation that is fun, comma, energetic, comma, inspirational, comma, motivational, comma, <laughs> with a lot of emojis, comma, personality, comma, yeah. um, and focus on introducing the guests and I'll put their names. And then I'll copy, you know, so comma, quote marks, everything <laughs> from the calendar app, end quote. And then yeah. it'll typically give me something a little bit messy, but it mm. gets me started. So I'll take that and then I rework yeah. that. And then I'll go back to AI and then I'll say, you know, maybe it didn't add enough emojis for me or something. So I'll, <laughs> I'll play with it and then I'll say, you know, add more emojis to this after I add mm. it. So I'll take something, I'll use it as like a reference point to get me started on a first draft and then I'll edit it and then I'll go back and use it again. So I use it really as like an editor. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think I've found a lot of good things about it, especially it helps you kind of spark ideas as well. Yeah. And kind of like, you know, just run through because I don't know about you, you spent a lot of time in your career creating content. I'm curious to know around how it's kind of sped up the process because I, I think before maybe you would have had a lot of documents with ideas and all that kind of stuff and creation. I found even just in myself when I'm where we're bringing on a new client and we need to define their USP and key benefits and the major pain points, you know, I can kind of just put all the, the notes in there and it can just bring me up a brief summary or draft of things that I need to cover. And then it kind of repoints me in the direction. I'm curious to know um, how you've kind of been using this or more around how you've seen it improve your efficiency from pre-use of, say, ChatGPT to now kind of in the marketing space. Yeah, I like the way that you use it. I think that's a really great idea. Um, and I do use it as a reference point too, like you were saying, you know, so like if I'm trying to, say, write an event invitation like Whiskey Wednesday, since I already used that example, and it's focused around, say, cold calling. Hmm. Um, I may not know, like, you know, a whole bunch of topics off the top of my mind about, like, cold calling. So hmm. I can ask G Chat GPT, you know, what would be interesting B2B SaaS sales conversations around <laughs> cold calling? And then it'll be a reference point and it'll be like, oh, you should talk about CRM usage in cold calling, or you should talk about, and like, hmm. it'll give you a list of like, different ideas. So then I can take that as like a reference point and be like, Oh, okay. So based on what these people submitted on cold calling, I think we should talk about this. So then I will take that overall, then add it into my, um, you know, event invitation. But like, like you said, it's a great reference point because it'll think of things mm -hmm. that I don't really think about. And then I can add that to what I'm working on. Yeah, I find that it helps. Just my own personal experience, it helps a ton there. Like just a story, I was writing our services agreement with my friend who's his lawyer. We spent about four hours on a Saturday just putting it together and watching someone who's an expert at what they do 
you know, do that is amazing in itself. So I was just sitting there nerding out, watching her write this just like art form. And then, but then right at the end, what we could do is we put it into ChatGPT and we kind of just said, based on these parameters, what are we missing? And it came up with a whole list of items that we could potentially be missing. So it's like, I, f I found it, you know, it can point out a whole bunch of stuff that you may have just not been aware of or so you can easily forget, so you can kind of rely on it as well. Um, that's yeah. a side note on that story. I've just found that super useful there. In the, I guess, the marketing space right now, because in AI as well, there's a lot of fluff, you know, in marketing stuff to sell tools, which like you would know a lot of the time, you need to have this fundamental underlying product. How have you found, you know, playing with different tools and stuff and, you know, trying to identify or get past the marketing? What can people kind of like watch out for? in the marketing if they're looking at different AI tools to use to kind of mm. diagnose, is this a really good product or is it kind of not a good product? Great, great question. Um, so another use case with AI um, is what we do at <clears throat> BDEX. So yeah. we help take people's first party data. You can mm. upload it into our app, OmniIQ, and then our AI mm. solution We'll use all of our different data points to go find more customers like your best ones. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. And so I guess like when you were asking your question, I'm trying to go back to it now. Uh, it made me think of BDEX. Um, and I'm sorry, can you like, what was the main point of that question? Yeah. I'll get back to it. It was, it was more around how can people tell because there's thousands of different AI oh, tools yeah. out there. How do you know what's actually like as, as a good product or what are things that people can like look out for? Because <laughs> say you look at it, the marketing looks amazing. They've done a really good job at that. But how yeah. do you get to the underlying fundamental product? Are there things that people should kind of look for specifically, do you think? Thanks for that. Yeah. It <laughs> brought me back to why I brought up BDEX because it's all yeah. about input and output. So that's really what yeah. you want to look at is like, what are you having to put in? And from mm. what you're putting in, what are you getting out of it? Um, because AI, it really just learns, um, you know, from what you put into it. So you want to see how quick does it learn, you know, how much effort. And so like with BDEX, you need to be able to upload a CSV file of clean yeah. data. You know, like it can be like, it, we'll, we'll pull out obviously the bad stuff, but like you're going to want like first name in one column, last name in another column, email in another yeah. column. You know what I mean? Like, so like if you just upload a bunch of garbage with, um, yeah. you know, stuff in different columns and rows, like that's not going to work. So garbage in, garbage out. That's the first thing, you know, with AI. But like, I guess for me, it's like getting to that point. And I feel like I've kind of seen this evolution with Omni IQ because we're constantly mm -hmm. improving it based on what customers are telling us. Mm -hmm. um, is like the more information we can provide on the output based on the input and the easier we can read, you know, like, people, if we find that people are uploading their data a certain way, um, mm. we can see those patterns and we can adjust it toward that. Mm. Um, and so like maybe people aren't saying like email, you know, they're calling their headlines something else, for example, you know, mm -hmm. like, okay. Um, and really it's at a point now where like, it'll just like automatically pull anything. You can put any headline in there. Um, but like we make it easy for people to mm. give us data and we can learn very easily from yeah. the data they put in there. And then we have more and more data that we're constantly giving them. So it's like, well, here's your quality score. Like here's what percent of those leads that you um, uploaded were we able to verify, you know, like mm. just more and more data we're constantly able to offer people. Um, mm. So that's what I would say I would look for is look for the inputs and the outputs. How hard is it to get what out of it? Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. And also, 
how hard was it to put the inputs in and yeah. how value are the inputs you actually get out of it as well. Because sometimes the, value, the outputs aren't actually that valuable as well. Because I've, I've done my fair share of downloading, see all these tools, get really excited, go into it, start using it. Uh, this isn't that. You know, you spend like, you know, yes. 10, 15, 20 minutes in something, you're like, this isn't actually that, you know, flashy or whatever. So hopefully they'll they'll bring in a trust pilot of some some sorts to AI in the future. But it's, I guess it's just so new that it's like so many apps that you just come out. And so you kind of just have to play around with them. And, and just mess around like um, one, yeah. one that we use we use Sybil as a meeting recording tool and I've used Gong and Chorus and I'm sure they'll all catch up but like their meeting summaries are just amazing and they push directly to oh. Slack so it's an AI meeting summary yeah. it gives you all the next steps it gives you you know it, it's just great it's a really really good tool but you know I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other ones out there which don't actually you know get to the point or actually produce what they're actually wanting to produce as well yeah. Um, and I mean, I only talk about content marketing because I'm, I'm a content mm, marketer for one. Yeah. And like, but AI, like we were saying earlier, it can be used in multiple industries. Mm. So, you know, like I think the way I describe like inputs and outputs that can be generalized across like all uses mm. of AI. It's just like garbage mm. in, garbage out. You know, you just mm. want to make sure that you're able to easily put things out and get some good, valuable information yeah. back from it. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking as you were talking about another experience I had with yeah. Watson. I was yeah. on a team once where we were trying to build out some some chatbot AI stuff. Yeah. And it was the, sort of the same experience. You got to figure <laughs> out like is all this work worth it? Yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> there was a lot to program and teach Watson to like yeah. answer these support questions. Yeah. Um but yeah, like I think that's what you have to weigh out with AI across like any level or it, in any industry that you're looking at. Yeah, that's the other thing because sometimes doing just doing the task yourself or not using, <laughs> yeah. you know, using another piece of software now is just, you know, we, we were doing um, call summaries. So we're getting call recordings based on phone calls and getting ChatGPT uh, to summarize them. Oh. We've tried so, so many different prompts. It's still, it can't pull things out of the conversation like emotion. So it oh. can't tell you how how excited that person was if you booked a meeting with them. It can't tell you things like that. So we've actually pivoted back to going to manually reviewing them. Yeah, because and then using calls different are prompts. so like based on pain and emotion and like yeah, peeling onions. Yeah. So like you, you miss yeah. that. And these are just like gold goals as well. So just going back through the transcript, but it just doesn't, it can't give it to you. We, we use it, I, might, I would use it in a sense of like, you know, if I'm giving this, the notes to a client, what would they find most useful from it? And then it will tell you, so you can build a framework around what you should actually look for. So you can build that like checklist, which I found. I did that last night. I was like, I need a, I need an end of day checklist that I need to run mm. through based on my inputs in it. And it helped me build that. So it helps a lot of those frameworks, but sometimes the actual work, it still can't do. <laughs> it, yeah. I'm sure in the future it'll, it'll happen. I'm sure you'd see that a lot in the content marketing space, like as well, like a lot of people saying, hey, you can produce 92, 92 assets or pieces of content with just this three prompts from these little inputs, but they're probably just garbage most likely. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, You're but, making um, me think that like sales needs AI to like measure and understand human emotion. And so, <laughs> yeah, Sybil can do that. It can show you in a meeting. Oh. There's a meeting according to when someone smiles and nodded, but like it, it's all, all it's that kind of emotion and tone in a voice because yeah. well, the words that actually come out versus how they say it is completely different. It can ch completely change the meaning. And so I don't think it's at that point of actually analyzing text as well then. Um, I was going to, I want to, this brought up another point around, where do you think 
what you've seen right now in the content marketing space with AI, where do you think it's kind of going in the next year? Like, because there's a lot of trends mm. of things coming out. You know, there's probably a lot of YouTube videos that you watch and how to create 200 pieces of content for your website. They're probably not the best pieces of content because you still need to curate everything that you go through to get good quality. But where do you think the content marketing space is going with AI in particular? Um, it's a great question. But what I think where content marketing is going because of it all is we're going to a more human place, at least like those who want to, you know, be a pattern interrupter and actually stop mm. the scroll. They're not going to mm. be using AI. They're going to be using yeah. more of a human approach because people can really see through it all. So mm. those who are still using humans to edit it, mm. um, I think that that's what you'll see. So, But I think AI will continue to catch up. So like, mm. for example, I do a done for you LinkedIn service yeah. and I use chat GPT. I don't use mm. it automatically. Everything gets edited beforehand. Yeah. Um, but like what I've learned is that chat GPT doesn't, or AI doesn't typically add emojis. So if I make sure that yeah. we're adding emojis, that's one thing that yeah. can look more human. If chat, chat GPT doesn't hit enter or return to have like extra spacing. So I know that mm. if I'm doing that, it can make it look more human. But pretty soon, ChatGPT will learn things like that, and then they'll start yeah. to make content look more human. So we're constantly going to have to be pattern interrupting to look mm. more human. So I guess mm. that's where I see AI going, is AI is going to continue to try to look more realistic. I think right now, even, you know, so like video is going to be get bigger. We're seeing that right now. Video, audio, it's all getting bigger. Well, so are deep fakes. Mm. So deep fakes hmm. are going to continue to catch up right now. Like on TikTok, you see some of yeah. it, the lips don't really match. But yeah. I don't know, maybe in a year we'll see deep fakes on LinkedIn where the lips actually mm. match and you can't tell if it's me talking or my deep fake, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So then, yeah, exactly. then what will we do? We'll still be looking for ways to pattern interrupt. So there will constantly be this like movement away from AI with the AI, I think, catching up. Yeah, definitely. You can see, even see now with tools like Descript. So Descript, you can upload, say, half an hour of yourself speaking. And then what it can do is you can just type out anything you want, and then it will just produce pretty much near-perfect audio. People wouldn't wouldn't know it wasn't you. You just, you, it has to be like about a minute long. You can't do like a half an hour thing of you speaking with it, but the more input you give it of yourself speaking, the more output you can get. So you could use somebody to send personalized voice voice messages. LinkedIn just needs to put it in there. The desktop application, just not the mobile one, because <laughs> it's yeah. super annoying. Because yeah. you get that because that, that would be super super cool. Just sending voice notes because you could that that's when you can get kind of a VA or somebody to send voice notes with you speaking. And it's not actually you. Um, <laughs> which be wild. Yeah, I played around with that like a bit, but then it's just building a scalable solution and a system and a process around it. And sometimes a lot of these things they sound like really cool, but then you actually start going to build into it and look at it, the logistics and look at what you're going to get out of it. It's actually not worth it. So it kind of depends in the game itself. Um, I'm curious, is there, um, is there any tools specifically or any software, AI software that you've been watching kind of at the moment other than ChatGPT in, in, the, in the marketing space or content marketing space or even out of content marketing space, just any other tools that you've either been watching, using, or has kind of spiked a lot of interest? Yeah, I would say obviously OmniIQ just because I've helped launch mm. that and I've seen the evolution of it. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think marketers, we love to obsess over our audience. So it, it like, it kind of feeds into that obsession because there's 5,000 yeah. different 
segments and like you upload mm. a list you can literally see like what shampoo does your audience buy what are they watching <laughs> on tv like what are these oh, wow. what are the outliers like yeah you know like one interesting um use case uh one of the co-founders was telling me was a mattress company um and so they wanted to understand what was the difference between people who bought mattresses in person versus people who bought mattresses mm. online yeah. and the only <laughs> outlier there was were pet owners so yeah, wow. people who buy mattresses online were more likely to have pets. And so it's yeah, just like, you know, that's really eye-opening for an advertiser, a digital advertiser, yeah. you know, like <laughs> some of the copy and the like imagery that you might use. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, I think with AI, you know, not only are we going to be able to write better, we're going to be able to understand our audience better. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, let's see with marketing. Otherwise, like I love keeping up with lavender.ai. Yeah. When they have some founders who are super active on LinkedIn and I'm a LinkedIn yeah. person. Um, humantics.ai, these are both more sales, though, as I think you can say, like, but humantics.ai is very interesting yeah. and help you understand the personality of the people you're talking yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think with marketing, really, it's just like content is like big right now. Everyone's talking yeah. about AI and content marketing. Yeah. But I think what to keep an eye out for is really like for a long time, programmatic media buyers and programmatic marketers, they've been using AI. Um, and algorithms really, you know, for um, targeting. But I think it'll be interesting to see like what advertisers are able to do with AI in yeah. terms of like optimizing their targeting as well. Yeah, it is, it is super interesting. My brother works at um, the trade desk. So I've had a oh. few chats with him, him, him around that as well because their main, I guess, main niche competitor to Google in that space of programmatic, they're going down a lot of the digital, digital TV route. Because a lot of conventional TVs will just turn to digital TV, and then you get served personalized ads as well. So they're pushing big down that route, which has been uh, really, yeah. really interesting. Yeah, because I, I assume AI in that space as well will just help curate, you know, the content to you even better and better, like YouTube and all that kind of stuff. When you watch the ads, I find mm-hmm. the ads are just getting better. <laughs> which yeah. I actually like it because you get served things you want to see and you want to buy, which is like really nice. You, you've got the balance between the privacy, but also at the same time of convenience as well. So it's like, it's really cool, but they're seeing all my data. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm curious to know, um, being at BDEX, because you we worked with the team and building out that product as well. Um, if you have any other, if you have any stories about uh, that dog story with the mattress was really cool, you know, but uh, do you have any other stories around, you know, how a company or a client or whoever who were using that AI product, you know, what were some of the outputs that they were able to get or insights that they'd be able to see from it? Yeah, no, great question. Um, so I'm trying to think of some more specific ones because yeah, the mattress one is a really good one, you know, that's a really cool. Yeah. And I mentioned understanding, you know, literally what shampoo that your audience buys because there was literally a use case where that was one thing that they found is like of their audience. That was a pattern. They were all buying like (laughs) Garnier Fructis or something like that, you know? So like. It just makes you wonder like, oh, is it the green that catches their eye? Is it like, what is it about Garnier Fructis? If we're selling shoes, you know, like what's the difference (laughs) between our shoes? And, um, but yeah, no, there's there, we work with retail a lot. Yeah. So you'll see a lot of different retail, uh, use cases and TiVo is one of our uh, biggest partners. And so. They aren't necessarily, so the app has basically opened up what we do to all marketers. So like any marketer, any business size can go use OmniIQ. We even have like a free version, no credit card required. 
you can upload your list and see um, gender, household income, and birth year of wow. your first party customer data. Yeah, wow. all free. Then you can upgrade for more analytics, of course. Yeah. And then you can use our AI to um, go find and create an audience based on that um, to find yeah, people just wow. like them. But That's cool. yeah, so we what's, the, the what's the max amount of like data points that it can pull per per person? I'd assume on the high high levels or higher pricing levels, per it can person, pull a lot of different like, data points. Can, we say even like, what is it, eight trillion data points that we have? I mean, we've got a lot of it? data. Yeah, <laughs> eight one trillion plus one trillion data signals, eight hundred million wow. MB five pairs, one point three wow. billion email hashes. I'm in 5,000 categories, different segment categories. Uh, 5,000. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of data. Yeah, and then AI is going to have to make desk. sense of that data. We've yeah. worked with clients, you know, with Trade Desk. Pretty sure we oh, have wow. an integration um, with Trade Desk. But TiVo, because they're our partner, they yeah. are, you know, always working with people on the Trade Desk side as well. So um, did you say your brother works there? Yeah, he works. He moved, from, he moved to Los Angeles as well. Oh, with, really? his, with his partner, I think about a year ago, yeah, to work. Oh, and he, still, cool. he, he was working there here and he moved, he, now he moved over there. So we yeah, went over and visited company. him last year. Yeah, yeah, that's a super cool company, what they're doing. They did a really, I think they were one of the only companies that did like a sales all hands because they're going really well because all the other companies scrapped them. And so they flew them all over to Singapore and stayed at that really nice hotel. <laughs> and they're oh, like, wow. told keep hush hush about it because like no other companies are doing sales all hands because they don't have enough money. Because in the SaaS space, like so many people were getting let go right now because purely just because money was way too cheap and people were over leveraged and you know, made kind of bad decisions, which sucks. I know. As well. Hopefully yeah. SaaS and software like realize like we're not immune, you know, like we're no different than any other industry. Like we still have to like make money. Get, I, just, I, just, I just think about in the software space, it, it becomes so difficult because like, let's take Zoom Info as an example, right? So they have a pay per credit system. So that's their whole customer base is on a pay per credit system. And it's like, say, 30 cents a credit. And then Lucia comes along to us and I was, I was loving Zoom Info. And then they're like, here, have an unlimited subscription, unlimited leads. And it's like, you've just trashed their whole business model. And then someone else is going to come along and then they're going to say, don't even pay anything for leads. We just get stuff off your own data. Like, and so someone else is going to come along. So in the, in the, in the software space, people just keep building it on a different business model that gets better and better. And, and that's what I've, I've just watched this in the software space. I'm like, how is anything sustainable? Because it's just a race to build something more efficient. Like, unless you've built like a brand like, you know, that you have the value built on that brand. Like say Zoom, for example, even though they're getting smashed by Microsoft right now, but like Zoom still has this really, really good brand and people would just, you know, they, yeah. they, you owe it to Zoom from the pandemic. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just have, there's this brand allegiance to Zoom. Like you've and got- Zoom but, is like one of the only um, video things that has like a, a lipstick filter and an eyebrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know this is yeah, important well, to some of their users. Yeah, but all but all the little all the little stuff. But yeah, I always look at the software space because software is infinitely scalable. You sell one more unit, doesn't cost you any more money. Problem is, someone's just going to build it cheaper and better, and they're just going to do that. And then, it's like true. you look at say say for example, outreach, right? It's like one hundred and fifty dollars a user. Sure, they're building forecasting and all this kind of stuff. But like we just bought an email tool. I think it's called Smart Lead. It's like hundred dollars a month, unlimited everything. <laughs> Smart lead? Oh, yeah. yes. I love yeah. Smartly. That's like the yeah. multi domain email yeah. by um, yeah, so, Bob, I think his name yeah. is the founder. Yeah, he's in Australia. He's in Australia. Yeah. 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 No, he's yeah. awesome. Actually, they sponsored Whiskey Wednesday last year. Oh, that's super cool. That's I know. Super cool. 
yeah, yeah. but um, that's it's just it's just in the software space. And like someone builds that, it's like, well, there goes your whole exactly. Business model. <laughs> they're smart because you know they're like one of the first software vendors I feel like who started to understand this sort of movement of like needing multiple domains because even even today, big businesses are doing all this cold email on their primary domain. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's it's especially it's the worst if you're a smaller business. So like we've got oh, Betterline, which is our company. You you just trash your domain and then you ruin it for life, and then well, you have I to change your domain. Think your business of name. like Salesforce, you know, because mm. how many people are using their email domain? To, like because yeah. they have you can send <laughs> yeah. email from Salesforce, and it's like, yeah. how does that domain? I don't even know how they make that happen. Yeah, it's super. super we've got a bit <laughs> off topic into the, yes. the domain space, but that's just that's just oh that's just my take on like software. Why it's, it would just be so I'm hard with as you. well. There's always yeah. going to be somebody who like figures out a way to do things easier. And it's just like with AI, like AI is going to mm. continue to get better. So we're just always going to have to be pattern interrupters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll, I'll deviate this one last thing, but like Naval Ravikant talks about the four types of leverage that you can use. And I like to just, I like to just think about it as five. So the first, first place of leverage is labor. You can get somebody else to do the, do the task, right? The second part of part of leverage is capital, so you can you know get money and use that to to do whatever you're going to do as well. Then above that, you've got media. So media is like right now in content space is infinitely scalable. Like you put a piece of content out there, it's out there forever. I put a video on YouTube, you know how to use Zoom phone, their phone tool. I didn't learn and look at it for like a year, and then I came back had fifteen hundred views, and I was like, wow, this that's that's crazy. Like, and then above that, you've got software because you know if Zoom sells one more unit, it doesn't cost them anymore. But like, you know, the gross profit on it is unlimited or Facebook sells eyeballs. But then you've got AI, which is like, that's like the most absolute scalable thing you've got out there, especially when now with access to the open internet. Like once you can feed, you know, once you can pull it into say your, let's take for example, someone has a call center. They've got 10 years of call recordings. It can essentially just say, analyze these 10 years of call recordings and just give us the best way that somebody should interact with the customer. And then also use AI to use Humantic to determine their personality type before they get on the phone to tell you how you should interact with them. Yeah, or just really go from all their past conversations and this is the demeanor. You know, they usually have CRM notes about what happened. This is how you should address them based on this time of the day. <laughs> like it'll be able to do that soon, which is insane. But um, yeah, that's that's what the different points of leverage as well. But that's why AI is kind of like so crazy and scary because it's just infinite leverage. It's like kind of forever, yeah. forever leverage. Um, yeah, I'm curious to know as well, when when at BDEX, when they were building that product, which had kind of AI inputted into it, what were some of the, you know, as you were assessing people in the market and asking them questions on feedback on the product, what was some of the biggest feedback that you got from using the tool about what people really liked about it and what they didn't like about it? And how did they use that to then adjust and build the product? Yeah, great question. I think it all goes back to what we were saying earlier with like some of the basics in terms of like mm -hmm. inputs and outputs. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, you know, it was like, People would upload a list and it wouldn't work. So we'd have to go figure out why. <laughs> so like I was saying earlier, it's like you find some of these patterns, like some people, humans just are humans and we are imperfect. So, but sometimes you can find patterns in what humans are doing and make the technology better equipped to take that um, input. And then um, on the output. So, you know, we didn't have a lot of analytics in the beginning when you first uploaded in terms of like, what were we mm -hmm. able to ingest from your data? What mm -hmm. was verified? Yep. What if this is like a real person? Um, you know, so like now, none, yeah, like as we went, that that was all like based on customer feedback. It, yeah. And it all came down to, again, the inputs and the outputs. 
Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it's it, it really is, I guess, as simple as that as well. Like, you know, getting the quality inputs in gets you good outputs and asking for more and more outputs. And yeah, just, and especially really with just like user friendliness, you know, the, True. the easier, the, the more user friendly you can make it, then the less intimidated people are from technology. That's very true. I feel like you would really understand that deeply from the marketing point of view, because like you, you're trying to market these things that are extremely easy. But I definitely, I definitely would agree there, because like you, there's a lot of the time you built, you get starting with a new software, or you start using something, and if it gets to the point where like it's just not, it's just that bit too hard to use, you just throw it out. <laughs> you just never go back to it ever again. So that usability or UI is is super duper key. And I think like it was about SaaS too is like, you know, in addition to asking customers for feedback, which is always going to be the most valuable. Um, the next most valuable too in SaaS at least is you can see their behaviors and like yeah. you're able to see where they're dropping off, what they're doing in the app. So a lot of the time we're, we're able to see people who are able come and upload a list and they get their free data, but then they don't upgrade and see more, you know? <laughs> so like yeah. um, we're able to kind of see like what are those timeframes and like when is the right time to reach out? So like, yes, we're able to like improve it based on what we hear, which is always ideal. Um, and you always want to make it as easy as possible to get that qualitative data back um, because you can't yeah. beat it. But the great thing about SaaS, like I said, is you can just see what they're doing. That is very true. Yeah. Because getting, getting feedback if you're eating a chocolate bar, I'm sure you <laughs> yeah. can get people in a room, but like getting the feedback from a million people eating a chocolate bar is like insanely high, which you, which you can do in SaaS and you can use to analyze it as well. Exactly. Um, it's like... From the time they buy the chocolate bar, from the time they open it and take a you bite, can see everything, you yeah. have no clue. How long was that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's just no way of knowing. Oh, you, there's sure there's ways, but not ways at a scalable level. Um, right. But that, thanks, um, thanks so much for, I guess, coming on. I've really, really enjoyed the conversation, especially coming from a marketer's point of view, because I love speaking to people who are really skilled marketers. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't understand sales and marketing. It's the same thing in a sense, because you're complementing each other. It's crazy. Like it's like you need to work together to achieve this thing. I don't even know when they both split as well, because a lot of it's both coming into each other nowadays because salespeople are trying to build personal brands, which is a marketing thing and marketing is trying to go into that space. It's just crossing over. One thing that I am curious um, to know, like if you had no, if you're a CMO back, back at BDX or what you're doing right now, if you had no idea about AI and you were kind of just learning from it, listening to this podcast, how would you go about just starting to explore how you could kind of potentially look at using it in what you, whatever you're doing in, in, on the marketing front? Um, and how would you kind of look at potentially trying to implement it within teams as well? Hmm. I would say like do an inventory of all of your assets um, mm -hmm. and first party data and um, then understand like what you might be able to learn from it. Mm -hmm. And so like with content, you know, obviously that's an easy one. There's a lot you can learn from it. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I would say start with just analyzing what you have. Um, yeah. a lot of time, like with a blog, for example, there's a lot you could do with that. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's just living there, but you could, now we have AI, like go take that blog, run it through AI, see if you mm -hmm. can update it a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so obviously content is one, but yeah, I don't know. Like there's, there's so many other options that I don't even know, but I should probably go out and do some research. <laughs> like always constantly be asking, are there tools that can be optimizing what I'm doing? Yeah. 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 I definitely, I definitely agree with that one. Constantly, constantly being on the lookout. When I did, when I had a chat to Ricky Pearl around, I remember asking him this question, his, he, what he thinks, and I kind of definitely agree with him, like in the future that 
there's going to be people just dedicated to just research in a company like on AI. So they're just researching all the tools and how can you, you know, you look at these are the top 10 priorities right now. Can we leverage any of these tools to actually get any of these outputs? Because you constantly need to be looking and usually the best people to be looking are really younger generations because they're spending time on TikTok and Instagram. Like I don't even look at TikTok or Instagram reels or anything. But if someone's spending three hours a day watching AI content on a TikTok reels, <laughs> you know what's going on right now. Like, so I think it's going to be... So as, as Ricky put it, those people are going to be the ones like doing the researching as well because they're spending hours and hours per day into it. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for coming. Is there anything, um, I, I got any shout outs or anything you want to plug um, before, before, we, before we jump off? Um, sure. We'll shout out to uh, Ricky Pearl and Smart Lead, <laughs> of course, since we've mentioned them on this show. Yeah. And, you know, if you um, would like to attend Whiskey Wednesday, of course, I think when are we having you on, Matt? I think it's in a I think it's mid-June. I think it's mid-June. Mid oh, yeah, yeah. June 7th. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, it would be great to have folks come and tune in to your episode of Whiskey Wednesday. Yeah, um, We I'm talk excited. about sales marketing alignment and giveaway prizes. It's a pretty good time. But, yeah, that's that's really the only shout-outs that I'll, that I'll make. We'd love to have awesome. folks follow Whiskey Wednesday. Awesome, yeah. It'd be cool being it'll be daytime here and nighttime where you guys are as well. So exactly, funny yes. Thing, funny thing, the difference as well. And, yeah, good good luck with the venture um, that you, you're going into now as well. Um, but as you mentioned before, we were chatting through it. sounds super exciting um, just coming from your experience as well. I'm sure you'll be able to help a ton of people, and you already have been able to as well. Oh, well, thank you so much, and same to you. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Jesse. Catch you. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to that episode of the AI Sales Revolution podcast uh, with Jesse Lezak. Uh, I got a ton out of it, and I, I sure hope you did as well. Um, look, it's it, just a couple of things. Um, if you liked the podcast, please feel free to give it five stars. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, and we're also looking for other guests on the show as well. So if you can think of anyone, feel free to just DM me directly on LinkedIn, and we'd love to have them on the show. Thanks.